Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and I focus on holding financial conversations that lean into social equity, policy, and access with a splash of pop culture. My goal is to lead these conversations with empathy and help both my listeners and myself learn more about money along the way. For the next week, my guests and I will focus on when American women decide that they want more in their lives. Interestingly, many of the conversations centered around going into entrepreneurship. With that in mind, though, I do want to say that my guests and I aren't necessarily encouraging you to go into business. Instead, this conversation in my mind is a reflection of the policies that aren't in place here in the United States. Policies such as paid parental leave, generous paid sick leave, or just having a degree of flexibility and autonomy over your days so that you can run an errand, schedule a doctor's appointment, or take your kid to ballet. Or sometimes you just have to help your parents out when things come up. I often wonder how different American life would be for women if we had some of these policies in place. Would the choices we make be different? Samantha Anderl. I'm a former marketing executive and former freelancer turned SaaS co-founder at Harlow. So Harlow is actually an all-in-one freelance tool to help solopreneurs manage their business more confidently. Andrea and I have actually been building and working on Harlow for about the past year and a half. And Andrea, I'll turn that over to you. I'm Andrea Wilt, also a former marketer, turned freelancer multiple times in my career, actually. And I'm Samantha's co-founder. Dear listeners, you may not know this because you just started listening to the episode, but I may have forgotten to hit record prior to this. So we had had a really great conversation for the past 10 minutes, but that's okay because we're about to get into it. This is going to be a treat. The whole topic that we're discussing, the heart of what we're discussing is women wanting more in their lives. And I'm curious about how Harlow kind of fulfills that need for you, both professionally or personally. Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, I think Andrew and I specifically, we've been in the corporate world We've been in the freelance world. Now we are founding our own software startup. And, you know, we've gone through, we've gone through this journey through all of that, right? You know, when we were in the corporate world, you know, we were learning and we were growing a ton, but we got to the point where, you know, we were feeling really burnt out. We were having meetings from, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning, sometimes until 7 p.m. at night. We were just, we were kind of, you know, facing exhaustion and weren't in an environment in which we were thriving anymore. And so that actually brought us to, founding Interimly, which was our boutique consulting company, which is really just a fancy way of saying that Andrea and I were freelancing, but together, right? It's all about positioning. And yeah, and while we were there, you know, I think our main goal was like freedom and flexibility and regaining control of our schedules, being able to prioritize the things that mattered to us in life, not just focusing on work as life. And during that time, you know, Andrea and I were working with all of these early stage startups we were helping them grow and kind of get momentum. And at the same time, we were experiencing all of these kind of ups and downs of freelancing firsthand. And so those two things kind of came together and, you know, kind of were married into Harlow, right? We're like, okay, we're really good at helping early stage companies grow. And we really understand 
you know, freelancers pain points and what they go through because we are that audience. What if we brought these things to together and build something for ourselves? Right. And I think that was really Andrea and I saying, you know, we want more, we can, we can do this. We believe in ourselves. We want to kind of take these things to the next level. And Andrea, I'll let you chime in there too. I think we also, you know, when we went into freelancing, we really wanted to do it on our terms. So it wasn't, um, Samantha and I had very flexible schedules. I had a child two years ago and I required a more flexible schedule because we didn't have childcare at the beginning because of COVID. And as we started to think about how we were building Harlow, we wanted to bring a lot of that into Harlow as well and have a product company that was successful and profitable, but on our terms. And we want to work really hard but Sam and I also know that we are, are work better. We're like better human beings, professionally, personally, once we have balance in our lives and when we're able to like fill our cups outside of work. And so that was really important to us as we were building Harlow is to bring in some of those tenants from freelancing into our product business. Absolutely. And I will say, even before Andrea and I brought on like a single employee, before we really built out this kind of team of freelancers that is helping us move Harlow forward, we focused on building our company policies and our values, right? We're like, okay, we need to, it's funny because you kind of have to define what a non-structured working environment looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, structure, non-structure. <laughs> You're not yes. just floating around hoping for things yeah. to happen. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we had to say, okay, what do we love? What do we want to hold on to? And we're like, we want to have three days a week with no meetings. So let's define that now. So as we move forward and we hire people, we stick to that, you know? You know, another big thing for Andrea and I is like thoughtful meeting scheduling. We don't want people just throwing meetings on our calendars because that's not the way we like to work, right? We like to be prepped. We like to know what's going on. We like to be in the right headspace. So all of these things were really important to us, you know, at the same time that we, you know, we're obviously like building a company and doing this because we want to, you know, we want to help freelancers, you know, Andrew and I want to make money, but at the same time, we don't want to do any of those things at the expense of our own well-being or our future employees' well-being. I feel like a lot of women struggle, a lot of American women specifically struggle with this, this idea of balance and, and how to marry it with ambition. What mm -hmm. are some of the things that you're doing to stay true to yourselves as you go through this process? Because you have a little Andrea, you know, mm -hmm. you've got other obligations, but, but I do think as Americans, ambition does drive us. Like, I, I don't care who you are and who you, who you meet. I, I feel like it's in our DNA to a certain extent and that it's very easy to overwork and, and over plan. And, and how are you keeping track of those things? How, how are you being self-aware? Like, what are, what are the things you're doing to, to foster that in addition to what you just, just described, which sounds awesome, by the way. Well, I would say my child <laughs> keeps me <laughs> balanced. I've got um, a toddler, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, he requires that I not work nonstop. Um, and I just, you know, obviously like want to be as present as I can uh, with him. But um, for me, it's just about being really conscious about what I'm doing. I am present at doing that. And so not trying to do two things at once, like really I'm trying to stop multitasking. You know, I can't work and have my kid 
next to me. It's not like that's that's not good for him and it's not good for my work. So I if if I've got mummy duty, then that's what I'm doing. I'm not working at that time. Um, and honestly, like that has really helped me and it's helped me be, I think, better at work also, because when I am working, I am 100% focused on it. I don't have a kiddo running around, so I don't necessarily have, you have Carl. A, I, I do. I have, I have a, I have a small furry friend around. Um, his name is Carl. His name is Carl. He is, he is a character. So he's uh, currently in my basement. So we don't uh, hear him barking during this or else we would. <laughs> You know, one of the things that I have actually really leaned into over the years, and I probably started doing this maybe three or four years ago when we were building our consulting business is what I call like proactive calendar blocking. So I know kind of like the balance of things that I need to kind of be my best self and remain happy and motivated and inspired. And so what I actually do is I block off my calendar in advance for things like self-care and the social time, you know, or exercise, whatever it may be, because I can definitely, if I'm really excited about work, I can sit down at my computer and just sit for eight or nine hours and just like bust things out when I'm feeling super motivated. But I know that that actually leads to burnout long-term and that I should not be, you know, in front of my computer eight or nine hours a day. And so, yeah, what I actually do is I just block out time a few times a week. And if it's already on my calendar, I just make myself go do it. You know, whether it's a walk with a friend, whether it's lunch, whether, you know, it's a massage or a facial, whatever it is, I block all of those things out in advance. And it is a forcing function for me to leave my desk and focus on other things. Random question, but I've been wondering this for a while. How did you come up with the name Harlow? I'm very intrigued by it. I love it. It gives me this like 1940s glam aesthetic. I could be crazy. I like that. Uh, But where does the name come from? When Andrew and I were first ideating on creating Harlow and you know, what the brand was going to be like, what the product was going to do, all of these things, we, we knew from the very beginning, we wanted to take a very empathetic approach to building Harlow, you know, freelancing, you know, Andrea and I experienced it. We've seen others experience it. It's a very, it can be a very lonely venture. And so when we were establishing Harlow, we were like, God, we want to, we want to build this company and this brand and this product into something that feels like a pal or a friend, right? Someone you can turn to for advice. And so we know that we wanted to have this human element to it and when we were thinking about that, we kind of wanted a name that could be unisex. It could feel very human. It could feel really just like easy and comfortable. And we honestly, we went through, man, you know, maybe 20 names um, as we were, as we were trying to get to Harlow and that's the one that just stuck. And Andrea, I'll let you add to that. Yeah. And we had other names first and we had major trademark issues and we were like, oh, we're never going to find a better name. And now I actually can't imagine it being named anything other than Harlow. What were some of the problems that you were experiencing yourselves as freelancers? And what were the problems that your colleagues, like your other freelance colleagues were describing to you? Or just how did you know what problems to address and, and, and have Harlow be the, the solution to. So Samantha and I, we would often meet, be introduced to, to professionals who are like, I'm thinking about freelancing, but I have no idea where to start. 
And the, we would often get people say, can you send me a copy of your proposal? Can you send me a copy of your invoice? How do you do this? How do you do that? And the reality is, is that we had pieced it all together ourselves also. You know, our proposals were sitting in Google Docs, the majority of our financials, some were in QuickBooks, but a lot of it was in a Google spreadsheet. We ran a lot of our business in a Google spreadsheet. Um, we had like time tracking software. We had a, a project management software. We just had all of our stuff was everywhere and none of it talked to each other. And so it would be like downloading information from QuickBooks into my Excel spreadsheet. And then every time we did a proposal, it was recreating the wheel. Um, everything was just messy, honestly, and in different places. And so that's, that's honestly what we, one of the things that we struggled with and I will say, when we started going out and doing interviews with all of our freelance friends, every single person we talked to, like nobody could tell us how much money they had made that year. And we were like, all right, can you tell us like how much have you invoiced this year? Oh, well, it's in a spreadsheet oh. or <laughs> like I have to, I'd have to call my accountant or, well, I have to go like first look in wave and then over here. And, you know, it was just messy. And nobody had a really good, complete view of their business. And the people that were using tools that were designed for freelancers weren't in love with them. There wasn't really a fan favorite out there. And so that's what Samantha and I really wanted to do was build like a fan favorite tool that brought everything together in a single place. So you have one place to go. How many tools do you think Harlow is combining? Or rather, how many tools do you think the average freelancer is eliminating by using Harlow? That's a great question. I mean, honestly, from what we heard when we were talking to early freelancers, they were using usually something to put together proposals and contracts, then something else to actually send things and get signatures, right? Yes. Then a different tool for invoicing and accepting payments, a different tool for task management or project management, a different tool for time tracking, maybe somewhere else to house all of their documents. So honestly, anywhere between like five and seven tools, I would say is what we were seeing people use, which is, and again, what we were using as well, right? We had mm -hmm. all of these separate tools as well. And so we we're like, okay, if we can replace, let's even call it five different systems that people are using and paying for with one system, how many headaches does that save a freelancer, right? Instead of five tabs open, you have one tab open. Instead of seven tabs open, you have one place to do all of this. And right. actually, I was thinking about that, but how much money are you saving someone too with that totally. simpl simpl simplification of processes and tools? I definitely think whenever you get a chance, if there's a way to like figure out just the savings yeah. across tools, that would be really interesting to see as well. Absolutely. And freelancers, you know, they were using tools that were kind of all over the place, you know, freelancers that are using QuickBooks, you know, that's more expensive. Sometimes people were using free tools, but they really didn't like fit the use case or serve the purpose well. Right. So we kind of saw freelancers on both sides of that people that were using expensive tools and using five of them and people that were using free tools and using, you know, seven or nine of them, you know, and neither, neither experience was really ideal, right? I know Andrea mentioned this, but everyone that we talked to, we're like, okay, tell us about your process. And they'd say, "Ugh, well, I have a process, but I'm going to tell you right now, 
I don't love it. it Everyone's embarrassed about their process. <laughs> so embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. We're like, okay, we're like, this is a safe space. Tell us yeah. what you're doing. They'd be like, well, this is how I envision doing it, but this is how I really do it. <laughs> totally. What is it like being women in the SAS space? It, do you feel like there's a difference? Do you feel like it's important to even mention? What are your thoughts of, about being women founders? I will say from, from my perspective, there are a couple of things that I think are different in our approach because we are women. The first is we're just taking a much more empathetic and modern approach to building Harlow, you know, building the company. We really want to give space to our employees and our freelance team and really make sure that everyone knows that their well-being is the top priority, right? We don't want to overwork people. We don't want to push unrealistic deadlines. We want our employees and freelancers to have full autonomy over their schedules you know, and we we want to do all those things because we know it works for us. And, you know, Andrea's mentioned that she has a toddler at home. So it's also really important to, you know, make space for that and make space for the things outside of work that are really important. And I will say the second thing I think that we've been thinking hard about is how and when we raise money. So I'm sure you're aware, we've probably all read this, the statistics, but you know, really only about 2% of VC money is given to women founders. So when we were talking early on about how we were going to fund Harlow, we kind of decided that we were going to go a different route. So we actually raised money through a friends and family round and leaned heavily on our community who already knew and believed in us. Um, And that kind of did two things. One, we didn't have to really like overprove ourselves as women in this world because the people that we were talking to, whether they were, you know, former colleagues, former bosses, other people that worked with us already knew and believed in us, right? We didn't have to oversell ourselves. And secondly, also gave us an opportunity to choose who we wanted to invest in the company. Something that kind of came out of that that Andrea and I were really stoked about is we actually have a cap table that is over 50% female. So not only did we go this route because it was easier easier for us to raise money as females, but also because we could bring more females in as investors and have full control over that. And Andrea, I'll let you add to that. This is my second tech startup to Samantha's point. You know, we we did this one differently. My very first company, tech company that I founded, we raised VC money and it was primarily a women founded F- there are four founders and three of us were female and it was really hard. I mean, we did Sand Hill Road. We pitched to every single VC and they would ask any sort of technical question to the man in the room. You know, they would always defer to the man in the room, whether or not that was his, his area of um, expertise or not. Uh, and it was just really, really discouraging. And every VC would be like, you know, you should just go check out these other funds over here. The like two funds that were female specific at that time. Um, and it was just really demoralizing. Um, and, and I definitely, I think things have changed a lot when it comes to raising money. I know they have, but, um, this time around, we just didn't want to do that. We just wanted to go a different path. Was it uncomfortable asking your friends and family for help? Because I feel like the ask is sometimes very challenging for people. I've got a theory Mm -hmm. that, once every five years, you can do an ask, like a big ask from yeah. people. Do you, do you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like, okay, I've been doing this business thing for a minute and um, I need help with a thing. 
So in my case, I did that five years ago with my, I had an in-person event, but I didn't want to charge an ex, you know, an exorbitant amount of money for people to attend, but it was going to be a very expensive to hold, you know, it was, it was mm-hmm. expensive venue and I wanted to feed people. It was like a whole thing. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to crowdfund. I'm going to ask these people that I know because to your point, they knew who I was. I didn't have to overprove myself. Right. Uh-huh. And I was very fortunate in that I, I was able to raise quite a bit of money uh, to cover the cost of the event. It was in the black and actually the venue was so nice. There was a point where they were like, we don't need any more of your money because you know, <laughs> you, you, you sign a contract and then you're like, this is how many people are going to come. And I'd overestimate it. And they were like, you're fine. You're good. We don't need it. I cannot believe I that it. they said this to me. This is a very Colorado story. <laughs> um, so, so that was amazing to me. Now it's 2022 and I'm about to do my, my big ask again. And, and so when you're deciding to do a big ask, what were some of the things that you had to work through before starting this type of fundraising? Yeah. So I think, I think there's two things here. One is friends and family to us is a loose term. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while, while we did take money from people that we would consider friends, friends and family, um, we also like took a lot of money from colleagues. And like I said, like kind of like former bosses or, you know, a colleague of our, a colleague, like just like our, our overall network was really helpful in raising money. And secondly, you know, rather than an ask, I really view this as an opportunity. I have full confidence in Andrea and I, I did when we were raising money, I have full confidence in us now. And so rather than positioning it as an ask here, give me some money to build this business. We're like, Hey, we've got a great idea in a market that is growing like crazy. We are going to kill it. Do you want in on this? Right. And so I think it was all about our mindset going into it. It was, it was, I I mean, honestly, it was scary at first, right? Andrea and I were like, ah, are people going to bite? Are they going to see this opportunity the way that we see it? But we put together a killer pitch deck. We had a killer story and we just went into it with confidence. Yeah. I will say a few things to add. Like I personally had to also just like remind myself like, A, it's totally okay if people say no. Because Mm -hmm. this is a business opportunity and this isn't about me as a human being. If they didn't want to invest in Harlow, that doesn't mean that they don't want to invest in my friendship or that they don't believe in me. Um, It's not, it's not about me personally um, because I tend to take things a little personal. So, uh, so that was something definitely like I had to adjust my mindset a little bit as we were raising. Yes. And I had to remind Andrea <laughs> yes. that this is we are running you know this is this is a business yes. and we can push and we can follow up and we can sell well, and yes that's another thing is that one of the things that we learned when raising money is um Samantha was like I have no shame I will if somebody doesn't reply to my email I'm going to send them five more emails you know over the course of like three months whatever until they reply it. until they say no she's like I'm just looking for a no, my priority isn't their priority. And it was so true because at the end, I mean, there were a couple of people that I think we sent like four or five emails to just to get the first meeting. And then they ended up investing it just like our emails were during the summertime. They were on vacation. 
vacation. It was COVID. Time's like a loose construct, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> wow. You're developing Harlow. And I do want to mention that there are other tools out there that might be similar in some respects. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you're doing to really help Harlow stand out from the crowd? Harlow overall is built for a very specific audience and an audience that Andrea and I had talked to a lot upfront, right? We, you know, we were kind of mentioning this upfront research that we did and all these conversations that we're having, you know, we talked to friends, but we also went out and did, you know, like 30 plus interviews with this audience to ask them about what they were using, what they liked, what they didn't like. And honestly, at the time, we did not think that there was a fan favorite tool or tool that worked super well for this audience that we were targeting. And we kind of call it this, like this kind of like white collar solopreneur, this B2B freelancer, you know, it's somebody who actually sells into an organization. So think about, you know, writers and designers and social media consultants, you know, this, this kind of group was not really being catered to well. So that is one thing is that we're going after a specific audience who we think that we deeply understand their pain points and understand their pain points better than even, I think, some other competitors who have entered into that market. And two, you know, Andrea and I at the core of Harlow are really passionate about helping this community and not just through the product that we're building. We're passionate about building the community, advocating for this audience you know, sharing their voices, helping them get opportunities, helping them just really understand how to manage their business, how to do it more confidently. You know, we're really, really focused on helping at our very core. And I think, and really feel like that comes out in the brand when think, when people think about Harlow and why they would use Harlow over some other tools. Yeah, I think we also just really wanted to make a tool that's easy, easy to use, you know, running your business, it can feel so overwhelming, especially all of the language, you know, P&Ls and balance sheets. And I think it's so overwhelming that oftentimes people don't even want to start. They don't even want to like figure out how to run that part of their business because it's too intimidating. And so we really wanted to just make it easy. Don't we all want to make our lives yes. more easy? <laughs> you yes. Know? Yes. Every decision that Andrea and I make, everything that we build, we're like, is this easy enough? Is, is this it in English? Like, is it yes. in plain English? <laughs> yes. Is it intuitive? Can somebody log in and just figure out how to do, do this? Right. And we, we log into the product on a daily basis, a weekly basis, click around. We're like, oh, ooh, okay. Maybe we kind of missed there. Let's go back and yes. revamp that and think about how we can make it even easier easier, right? So yeah, ease and simplicity. That's huge. How long has Harlow been live? Just like three months, four months, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's the response been? It's been really positive, um, which has been awesome, especially from our, from our community. The feedback has been, thankfully, people find it really, really easy to use and, and soothing and it gets the job done for them. And so they don't have to worry about about kind of all of these different tools or systems. Yes, honestly, I've been, I've been overwhelmed. It's so cool to see, you know, on a daily and weekly basis, we are seeing, you know, users in our community just post about how much they love Harlow. And we, 
Andrea and I actually have a little um, gratitude and good vibes Slack channel in our heartless Slack oh. Oh, um, nice. where we just, we pull all of this feedback from users and we plan it there so that when we're having maybe off days in our entrepreneurial journey, or we're feeling a little bit down, we can go back to that room and say, okay, this is so cool. Everybody is loving what we're creating. And we're just in the infancy stage of what we're building, right? We have so much further to go and so many more things to offer. And it's, it's so motivating. And I'm so appreciative of this community too, for like fully embracing us and just sharing the word without us even asking to, it is, it's so cool to see. Yeah. And sharing their feedback. I mean, the only way that we can get better and improve the product is with feedback. And that takes somebody's time. That takes them caring, caring enough to send an email or, you know, submit a support tickets. Um, all of that stuff is meaningful for us as founders. Yes. Like there, there are people that truly care about letting us know and helping us make the product better. And I think, I think what's really cool too, is that we're, we're embracing that. Right. So we have these early users and they're like, Hey, this is how I work. And we're like, great. Okay. That's a great feature request. We can actually fit that in and create it and build it. And that makes them feel really good. And it makes us feel really good that we're confident that we can meet their needs. You know, I want to pivot the conversation slightly um, because this whole season I'm talking to women about their lives. And I want to ask you for a woman who is listening to our conversation, who's at a turning point in their lives where they're making like a bold decision, what would you give as guidance or recommend to someone who's, who's stepping out there a little bit on faith, whether Mm -hmm. it is, you know, in themselves or the process and, and they're not sure what the outcome will be. Cause I feel like that's very much what you guys are doing. So Mm -hmm. what would you, what would you advise someone who's nervous about the next step when they're, they're putting themselves out there for something they're dreaming, dreaming about or designing or creating with their lives. I think we're going to have a very very similar answer, but I would say, you know, be sure to find your people in your community to support you as you're doing it. Like you need a cheerleader and you should absolutely be your number one cheerleader, but you also, there's going to be hard days and you need to have a support system to help you, to help you through it. And it makes it so much better and so much easier when you have people to lean on. I fully agree with that. You know, when Andrea and I were first starting to build Harlow, we talked to a lot of other women founders, a lot of other women who own small businesses, other women who had raised money, other women who helped other women raise money, right? We had, we had so many early conversations to really learn and try to understand what we didn't know. Right. And also like building those connections so that we could lean on them. They could lean on us. And that was so helpful in the beginning of our journey. And it's still so helpful. Yeah. It's really inspiring, I think. And sometimes you just need that inspiration to keep going because it is obviously going to be hard. And I don't, I don't know if this is useful advice or not, but this is something that I definitely think about is like, what is the worst thing that could happen? You know, mm-hmm. for me, the worst thing that could happen is that we don't put ourselves out there and we don't try and we don't grow. You know, I think that's one of the things that keeps me going. Yes. And I'll, I'll even add one more thing to that, that I tell all women that own small businesses that are entrepreneurs that are doing their own thing, that are out there creating. And that is just do not be afraid to put yourself out there. You like, even if you have 
an amazing network of other women and other people to support you, you should be your own biggest advocate. You should want to talk about what you're doing and what you're creating and what you're building, right? You should want to shout about it from the rooftop. So like you have to get really confident and comfortable in doing that for other people to do that for you. Mm. I'm struck by how you're really intentional about your business design, like the behind the scenes. And I'm intrigued by it. I do want to touch on this a little more. I'm intrigued by your business's design because it's so not how a lot of American businesses are run, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, f- I feel like priority of self is a very new thing. I think COVID with work from home and flexible schedules and things like that has really pushed the conversation into the, to the forefront. As you design your, your company in this way and build out your team, what's the one thing you're afraid might happen if you don't stay focused on this intentional business design? Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the main fear is that we turn into you know, any other SaaS company that overworks their employees and can't retain people and sees, you know, people burning out and leaving and transitioning roles. And we really, I mean, and even for Andrea and I, I think, you know, another worst thing that could happen is that we could burn out as leaders of the company and not want to build this thing anymore. And I don't want Andrea to burn out, right? She doesn't (laughs) want me to burn out. We are, we are in this together. And so for me specifically, that is the scariest thing that could happen is that we could develop a culture of burnout. And I think that would stunt our growth overall if we're not happy and our employees aren't happy. Yeah. I mean, we're in this for the long haul. So I think all, all of us, we need to like, I need to make sure that we're mentally in it for the long haul also. And I, do, I think that we just want to be really careful about building a culture that's like growth at all costs. Um, because we see that around us a lot in early stage tech. And that's just not, that's not something that I think we want to really contribute to. We're wrapping up. If I'm a person who's like, holy crap, I so want to be a part of Harlow. I would love to save myself some time and energy. And I don't want to use like 8,000 different products. How do we find you? And, And what's the process to sign up? Walk us through how we can discover Harlow. Yeah, absolutely. So you can sign up for the product and also go through our entire resources section, which has like a freelance one-on-one guide kind of talks you through how to start your own business. You know, we have a lot of freelance interviews, just really good resources there from A to Z. You can find all of that at meetharlow.com. It's very, very easy to sign up for the product. It's honestly one click. You sign in with Google and you just drop into the free trial. So really, really easy to get up and get started. Um, And if you're interested in just, you know, joining our community, checking us out, seeing what we're all about, you know, outside of this conversation, you can also find us on social. So we are at Meet Harlow on almost kind of every social platform you can think of. We're very active on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram. And, you know, every day we talk about freelancing. We kind of talk about the future of work. We talk about balance and autonomy and making more money. All of these things that are really important to entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. What are your thoughts on the future of work? I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, you know, it's a lot of what we've been talking about today. It's, you know, down with this kind of culture of burnout. It's, you know, in my eyes, employees and 
even people that work for themselves, having more autonomy and balance in their lives and focusing on things that matter outside of work. And, you know, I think within all of that, that actually leads to more inspiration, more motivation, more, you know, more innovation, honestly. My hypothesis is that it will actually contribute to higher profits also. If we respect the fact that not everybody works nine to five, I don't, you know, I work, I'm much better early in the morning and by three o'clock in the afternoon, not so great anymore. Um, if, if I think employers start to respect the fact that employees need to work in a different way and have a different rhythm to get into their flow and um, nurture that, they're going to actually see it impact productivity and the bottom line. We're all better when we're not stressed, right? Like stress is a major, you know, leader and indicator for a lot of issues in our lives, right? Whether it's mental health, whether it's physical health, you know, whether it's, you know, relationships going poorly, like stress is at the core of a lot of those things. And so if we and employers and everyone as individuals can figure out how to alleviate some of that stress, you know, we're all happier and healthier. So in five years, describe to me what, like where Harlow will be. What's your dream? I think our dream is that we have a huge, robust community of freelancers and we're deeply connected with them, understanding what their needs are, their pains are, and we're still building. Samantha and I love to build. So I think we want to just keep solving problems. We have, we have so many things right now that we want to build and, you know, things that we know we're going to add to the product. But in reality, we want to listen to our community and our users and build what works for them. And this, you know, freelancing in general, this market shifts so rapidly. And so it's hard to say, you know, we don't know what we're going to be building in five years because we're not going to know what's most important to this audience, but we are going to continue listening and pulling in that information and making decisions based off that. Thank you ladies so much for this conversation. I wish you only good things. I'm so excited to watch Harlow grow. I don't know why I keep thinking of this art deco aesthetic when I think (laughs) of the, the name, but I love it. I will definitely also include a link to Harlow as well for folks who would like to check it out via the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you. You are a joy. I've had a smile on my face this entire time. Same. (laughs) 